Welcome to the Disenfranchised Podcast, where that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. And this is it, the final entry in our most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, muppetational Jim Henson theme month. And uh, I'm your host, Stephen Foxworthy. Uh, joining me, as always... Uh, is the man whose Google search history may or may not include the term peel-offing. It's my co-host, Brett Wright. Hey, Brett. Hello, Stephen. How we doing, buddy? Doing all right, man. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Um, peel-offing, man. Ooh, yikes. I, mm, I don't want to talk about it. I, oh, it's okay. We don't have to. I, yeah, I, we try not to kink shame, so I'm not, I'm not going to say No, man. I don't want to be judged. No. And I would don't never, judge me. I would never dream of judging you, sir. Uh, after all we've been through, uh, heaven forfend. Uh, absolutely. And Brett, we are joined, <laughs> of all the movies, to have a guest. We are joined by a very special guest. It's it's her first time on the pod. Um, please welcome uh, YouTube sensation and Elizabeth Olsen stand, Katie Doyle. What's up, Katie? Hello. What is up? How's it going? I'm doing all right. I am rather nervous to uh discuss this particular film why might you be nervous to discuss this particular <laughs> film katie what have... what what in our history could possibly lead to you being nervous about discussing this film well first of all i had no idea what i was getting myself into i had never seen this movie i knew nothing about it other than the fact that it had some puppets mm. and melissa mccarthy mm-hmm. um and you used to teach me in middle school and high school yeah <laughs> i've known you since sixth grade yeah when i was your sixth grade bible teacher not only were you my teacher you were my teacher of the holy word of god <laughs> true that is that is a thing that happened and and we all let it happen yeah um but yeah so uh which makes our discussion of this movie all the more awkward for pretty much everybody but Brett, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so let's, Brett, what movie are we talking about today? We're talking about 2018's The Happy Time Murders. Yes, The Happy Time Murders from 2018. Uh, directed by uh, Brian Henson and starring Melissa McCarthy, Bill Beretta, Maya Rudolph, Joel McHale, Elizabeth Banks, Leslie David Baker, Michael McDonald. Uh, Doreen Davies, Kevin Clash, Drew Massey, Colleen Smith, Alice Dineen, and Brian Henson, and so, so, so many others. Um, what a what a cast! What a picture! Uh, uh, maybe. Ooh. Uh, look, honestly, I was I didn't know that Brian Henson directed this. Yeah, uh, that that's something I learned, and it gave me a little bit more hope for this movie. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the movie. I was like, oh, yeah. that's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Katie, um, you, you mentioned earlier you'd never seen this movie before. I sent you a list, basically, of movies that we had on the slate to cover that we didn't have guests already paired for. And you chose this one with an alarming amount of speed. A movie that n- I, I now know that neither of us had seen prior to this. And Brett, I'm sure, had not either. No. Yeah. Um, so, so what made you pick this one? Well, um, Happy Time Murders just sounded interesting. I had never even heard of it. I was like, that's an interesting title. Let's do that. And then I Googled it and I was like, oh, Melissa McCarthy. 
sounds good to me. And then I watched it last night and I was like, oh no. Um, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you hadn't even watched the trailer for this movie. No, not until a week ago. And what did you think upon watching the trailer? What was what was your train of thought there? Well, I was alarmed. It wasn't even a whole week ago. I haven't even been in the country for a week. And so I like got home from my vacation. And I was like, oh, I should probably watch that trailer and then watch the movie. And I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, I was like, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe it's not that bad. Maybe they showed the worst parts in the trailer. Boy, did they not. No. (laughs) Because that's the thing, right? Like, the trailer is the tease. It's like, hey, if you think... the best parts. Right. If you think think this is, you know, wholly unforgivable, wait till you see the movie. Wait till you see what we couldn't show you. Uh, And so, yeah, that is absolutely uh, the energy going into this movie. It, It feels like a dare. It feels like a movie that was made on a dare. Can I say that? Is that? It seems seems apt, I would say. That's, yeah, that's safe. That's a safe assumption, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, from what I'm given to understand, this is something that Brian Henson in particular had wanted to make for a long time. Um, it looks like he started developing this in 2008, uh, so there were all sorts of there's like 10 years of lead in before this movie actually ends up getting made. Uh, you have a number of different actresses attached as the lead, which I'm sure we'll talk about as we get going. Um, but I think it it kind of comes down to this notion. And it's a similar thing with animators is that puppeteers are kind of horny and don't have an outlet for their horniness in the art that they create. Uh, A lot of different female actors in mind to play the lead, depending on kind of what era we were looking at is kind of would determine who was, well, we can get into that a little later. Um, In terms of why this movie took so long to develop and, and why this was like Henson's passion project that he really wanted to make. I keep coming back to the notion and the idea, and it's similar to animators is that in West, in the Western world, like animation and puppetry are considered media for children. And so animators and puppeteers don't have an outlet for their inherent horniness in their art, the way that, other filmmakers might do. And so the notion of making just an incredibly horny, filthy adult puppet film has to be somewhat uh, like, like the white whale for a lot of these, these filmmakers, I would imagine. Yeah, that makes sense. I think. Yeah. Um, I was watching like an interview of Brian Henson and yeah, I mean, it just seemed like he cared a lot. And, like, a lot of love went into this. This. And, like, he talked about his favorite moments and stuff and, like, how long it took. Um, I don't know. It's wild. He cares a lot about, he does. Um, you know, silly string ejaculation. <laughs> I mean, don't we all? Um, 
maybe maybe we don't i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm telling on myself here i don't know like that we don't kink shame steven that's right it's not a thing we do on this podcast um uh, but yeah, this this movie is it, it's basically it's like meet the feebles and or let my puppets come meet um, like who framed Roger Rabbit or Chinatown. Like it's got that kind of noir sensibility, but with puppets. Uh, but it's also in, insanely adult. It's such an adult movie. Like I can't this might be the filthiest movie we've covered on this podcast. Legit. Hands down, hands down. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Like I just let's just get into it. Gosh, let's just do it, Katie. I think I think it's time. Um, oh, actually, no. Let's let's put a pause on this. Let's not do this yet because Katie, we have not asked you yet what your history with Jim Henson is. This is kind of our Jim Henson theme month. It's the reason for the season. It is. Yeah. Tis, tis the season and tis the reason. Um, this whole month has been us talking about Jim Henson uh, and kind of his his impact. And now this week and, and last week, we're talking about his legacy, kind of what he's left behind. And like it or not, this movie is 100% a part of that legacy. Um, so I, I guess what is your uh, connection to Jim Henson, to his his products, to his... Uh, characters to his creations what tell us a little bit about you and Henson well I was just a wee lad when I was watching these movies like the Muppets and whatnot Mm -hmm. I haven't like sat down and watched a puppet or like a Muppet movie in quite some time this is like my first movie back into it but it was so weird watching this movie because I used to watch the Muppet films with my grandpa and that was like my connection. Like he, he just had them like on VHS. Right. Yeah. So it was just very like nostalgic and childhood. Mm -hmm. So it was a little strange watching this movie and watching something that was like so much my childhood, uh, like watch it be so perverted. (laughs) Do we feel like your childhood was ruined as a result of this movie? I wouldn't say ruined, but it was definitely strange. Um, but that would be like mostly my like relation to, I mean Henson in general because like, I don't know the Muppets were just like such a big part of. I think anyone who's my age like such a big part of their childhood like that was always a thing like seeing Kermit and Miss Piggy, like those were just big characters for when I was little. Did you grow up watching Sesame Street? A little Was bit. That a part of your childhood? Not a ton, but a little bit. I liked Elmo, so I had a lot of Elmo stuff, but I didn't really watch Elmo. I just had a lot of Elmo toys. Yeah, see, and you're from like the generation before ours. Or yeah. after ours, uh, who is very like see Elmo was not really a part of our childhoods as much. Like he was peripheral at best. Yeah, no. He actually now that we're talking about Elmo, it reminds me, Elmo was my first word, like before mom and dad. That's it was amazing. Elmo. So, I mean, yeah, if that, that's if, that's, if that's not a, uh, a, an incredibly accurate distillation of priorities, I don't know what is. Um, exactly. <laughs> but no, the Muppets, I mean, that was a lot bigger because my grandpa really liked it and I would hang out with my grandparents a lot. So it was the Muppets. All right. 
cool. I mean, yeah, we're both, Brett and I are both big Muppet kids, big Sesame Street kids. Brett was a big Fraggle Rock kid. So, I mean, you know, we, we, we love us some Jim Henson and always love talking about Henson, talking about puppets, um, which means this is just, this is, this is going to be a challenge for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but let's, let's start talking about the movie on the table, which is 2018's The Happy Time murders and uh uh, before we get too deep into it we need to discuss the plot of this film katie as our guest you have graciously volunteered to read or to read to uh recite the plot of this film in 60 seconds or less which is a segment we call the plot in 60 seconds we do it every week we normally recount the plot of the film in 60 seconds or less so we don't have to spend the entire episode talking about just the plot of the movie so uh we usually ask a guest to do it when we have one and katie you have accepted that invitation oh yeah i'm a little nervous a little sweaty um this is intense this is a big deal it it is not a big deal it is such it is it is the antithesis of a big deal we handle this sort of thing all the time oh yeah okay (laughs) i did listen to the ink cart episode right before this to prep i was Mm -hmm. like okay it's fine i'll be fine so so you know what not to do (laughs) Uh, a little bit yeah yeah don't 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 get lost in the first 10 minutes um it's it's a it's a very easy mistake to make a lot of first timers do it um i'm gonna go ahead yeah does it so don't um avoid (laughs) avoid that trap it's a trap i'll try not to Um, But I'm going to go ahead and I've got a minute on the clock. I will give you the 30 second and 10 second warning. So you kind of have an idea of what's uh, of kind of where you stand on time. And um, and yeah, I've got I've got 60 seconds on the clock. So whenever you are ready, uh, I will I'll start the timer. Are you ready, Katie? I'm ready. All right. Your time starts right now. Okay. so a. Former cop, now PI, is on a case. He is trying to figure out who is murdering these puppets. And he's put on to partner with his old partner from the police department, who got him kicked off the force. So this is a buddy cop movie about former partners. And they're trying to figure out who's killing these puppets. They're on the case, they're going hot, and they go through twists and turns. They have a very surprising moment where they find out that the P.I. was actually making love with the killer. And then they get it figured out. But everyone dies before, (laughs) everyone gets murdered before it's over. So yeah, that's it, honestly. And that is time right there. Pretty so yeah, that was that was a very leisurely stroll through the plot in sixty seconds. That, that was, was well a, done. almost a spoiler-free plot in sixty seconds. Right? I very... did not go too crazy. I just wanted to to be like a, almost like a log line. Yeah, I mean, it was very like it was very steady. Um, you you took your time, you paced yourself, and it paid off. So well done. We uh, can learn a thing or two. Honestly. We hey. should learn a thing or two. Thank you. I try to not, you know, spoil or stutter. So 
well. I think you did well on both counts. Although, uh, charitable of you uh, to call what they were doing making love, uh, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, um, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. It was a little... Uh, it was a little trashier than that. Oh, it was it was tawdry. That was that was downright. That was that was some straight up fornication, is what that was. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was that was um some like Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, of course, the capper on it all is um, you know uh, the the five minute silly string uh, ejaculate. Um, that 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 follows that scene um yeah that didn't go on for too long at all no gosh it you know like i i have a tendency to to kind of run a bit a little too far um that was that was a little much um you know if you've ever wanted to see a puppet ejaculate silly string for a long time easily 60 solid seconds um, if not more, um, Hey, have I got a movie for you? It's 2018's the happy time murders. He, like this was the line and they just sprinted right over it. Oh yeah. They, they shot silly string just like 10 feet out over that line. Um, like, Oh my goodness. This, I, I, I think that that is probably if, of all the scenes in this movie, that is probably the one that I think was, it was in the trailers. It was a trailer scene. Um, and I think it's probably the one that got the most, um, I, I think it was the most polarizing scene perhaps in the movie. It's the one that determines, okay, if you're into this, you are either going to love this movie or you are going to ha- hate this movie. If, you, if you're into this, you're going to love it. If you're not into this, this movie is not for you. Yeah. Whereas I, I don't know. I didn't hate this movie, but I really didn't like it either. So what does yeah. that make me? Was I, I just know, okay man. with the spray can jizz? I, and see, that's just it. I don't know where... Brett, where do you stand on the Silly String jizz? I, it went on for a little bit too long, but it was maybe if it only done it for like 10 seconds, it would have been a funny joke. Okay. What is, for you, the funniest joke in this movie? <laughs> that's, that's a question, all right. Isn't um, it? I don't know. Um, I don't know. The, um, I don't. I, I don't know, man. I, Do I, I, don't, I can't think of one off the top of my head, so I don't know if I even have one. Mm. Katie, do you have a funny, a funniest joke or gag in this movie? I think just the banter between Bill Phillips and Connie Edwards. They okay. had a decent dynamic, like their lines back and forth. I usually was chuckling. Um, and I hate that I laughed at it, but Connie snorting the sugar, <laughs> it got me a little bit. She like, I mean, didn't I, yeah, I, do that, and I was like, haha. I was like, shit, I just laughed. <laughs> <laughs> you laughed at this yeah, movie, Katie. I will, I will agree with that. Like, the, it feels very. Um, it feels very Muppety that like she has a Muppet part inside of her that makes her addicted to sugar. Like that's, it's, it is kind of funny. Like it, yeah. I, I hate to admit it, but it is kind of funny. It's because it's like that joke 
like wouldn't work in a different universe but like it makes sense in this universe and it gets a chuckle i don't know i was like okay that's funny in this scenario anywhere else and that would just be a little bit dumb i mean it was still dumb it, there's a lot of and i think anytime you get a movie that tries to do what this movie is is doing uh we talked not that long ago just last month actually about who framed roger rabbit which is a movie that i was reminded of a lot while watching this movie just i mean they're both kind of these noir movies involving um uh, marginalized classes uh private investigators um, a a wanted member of a uh, a framed member, frankly, of of one of those marginalized classes seeking refuge with a law enforcement officer um, of the dominant class. Like it's it's all kind of baked into this movie. But every time that they do something like that, where we've got in this movie, it's puppets and people in Who Framed Roger Rabbits. It's people and tunes. Uh, there is this very striking dichotomy between the two classes and there are certain little like in jokes and things that you think are euphemistic but in fact are literally just the thing and that's the joke so like in who framed roger rabbit it's we talked about this on the episode it's the patty cake right uh like patty cake is euphemism for sex and then you find out no they're actually just they're they're playing patty cake like that's the joke in this one, it's the sugar addiction. Like, oh, we're going to snort some stuff off of a mirror. Oh, it's actually, it's sugar. It's just legitimately sugar. And this is an addictive substance for puppets, but not for people. Or maybe this is like, it's like the super sugar, right? So a normal person, this would put into a diabetic coma. But if you're a puppet, like, it's just a, a regular addictive substance, right? I think is what they said. Well, no, because there's, there's the very high quality purple sugar. And then there's like the low grade white sugar that she licks off of the pea stained mirror later. <laughs> that was something. I, that whole scene was something. Like she rubs yeah. it on her teeth too. Like yeah, like that got me. I was like, damn, why was that funny? <laughs> I mean, again, and if we and I've never done the hard drugs myself, but you know, seen enough movies with drug addicts in them to know that, you know, apparently rubbing the stuff on your gums is like a, a way to ingest the high quickly, I guess. So that's, I think, what she was imitating there. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, you know, I like those kind of clever world building things. Uh, if I can say something that I did enjoy about this movie, I think the world building is actually pretty fun. Um, did we like the, the puppets as kind of a... Um, uh, I don't want to say euphemism is kind of a stand-in for uh, for for racism. Did that did that work for yeah. anybody? Just, just bigotry, like just yeah. entire people groups. Yeah. Like I don't know. I I appreciated that too. Like I was watching it and I was like, oh yeah. I mean that that works. Um, I thought that was cool. It was a little hard to take that seriously though, like with everything else. But it was still cool that they got that message like across either way. I did appreciate that too. So Yeah, it's not something that just got thrown away either. Like it's mm -hmm. throughout the entire movie. Like the EMT yeah. and the ambulance at the end is doesn't want to treat him because he's a puppet. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> And I mean in that in that sense it reminds me of the original novel for, for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. 
in that this is kind of the like kind of the extension of what that book was doing in that tunes are clearly a stand-in for a marginalized class and they're looked down upon and kind of um, relegated to a, a certain subset of humanity as a result. Uh, and puppets kind of play that role in this movie. And I, 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 I am inclined to agree with you, Katie. I think it could have been significantly more um, powerful, substantive. I think there could have been more done with that. Um, if that's what they, this movie was actually about, but it feels like it's just a piece of what they were trying to do and not the thing they wanted to make the movie about. Um, they, it, it seems like let's just make a dirty puppet movie and, Oh, Hey, cool. Wouldn't it be cool if we kind of like made puppets marginalized so we can kind of maybe like make it seem like it's about something. Yeah. I mean, it just felt like it was a bit of a side note. I mean, it was nice that it was a theme like Brett said throughout the whole movie, like they didn't just drop it, mm -hmm. but it definitely like, wasn't the main point by any means. Sure. Yeah, I, I would be inclined to agree there. And I, and again, I think that could have been done a lot more successfully than it ultimately was. Kind of a bummer that it was, I don't know, it, it felt like it was used kind of more as a seasoning in, instead of being the highlight of the dish. Which well, yeah, yeah this, I mean, this movie is not, and there's no universe where this movie takes itself that seriously, Stephen. That's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's fair, I suppose. But, you know, I think we've seen goofy comedies that at their heart are actually about something, right? And I think this could have been one of those, but I don't think that's what anyone involved in this movie wanted this movie to be, I think is, is really what I'm kind of getting at here. Yeah, that just wasn't the end goal. And that's fine. I mean, that's totally fine. Um, they didn't have to include it at all. Yeah. Yeah, it just could have, like, it did have more potential, but it's fine that they didn't do that, yeah. too. It, it feels like a way for them to kind of include and inject some, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, some uh, conflict between the two leads for there to be kind of this, well, she's kind of racist, he's part of the reason why like there's this kind of back and forth there between the two of them that um it, it feels like that that's baked in more for just to kind of add a little more conflict uh to make the movie work mm -hmm. in in my mind I, I don't know i don't know if you guys um, agree with that point or not but that, that was just kind of how i saw it yeah oh yeah i mean i i would agree with you on that uh and i think it worked I mean, like, even though it wasn't the main point, like, I do think that it worked to help keep the story more interesting. Because um, I think that the story, I mean, it wasn't, like, anything super crazy. I mean, it was entertaining, but it, uh, it wasn't the most interesting. And so I think having that extra conflict definitely helped keep it a little more a little more interesting sure yeah, instead pretty... of just ejaculation jokes <laughs> right which is what i expected when i went into this movie it's just nothing but dirty joke after dirty joke with no substance whatsoever um and so i'm glad that there was more story there was more significance yeah more substance and, and yeah and i i think it probably could have been handled a little better but we get what we get and that's fine. Um, so, 
yeah, I don't know. That's kind of where, where I'm at. Um, all good Muppet movies have, uh, cameos and celebrity guest stars and, uh, Hey, this movie is no exception. Um, we've, we've got, we've got a few, uh, recognizable faces starting with Melissa McCarthy as our lead. Uh, how do we feel about Melissa McCarthy? Um, Katie, we'll start with you. I think, I think you might have uh, an extremely positive take here. So we'll start with you. Yeah. I love Melissa McCarthy. Um, some of her roles are a little silly, a little ridiculous, but, uh, I first got to know her as Suki from Gilmore Girls. And so she's just always held a special place in my heart since that, because I've watched that. I mean, since I was a toddler. So that's just, I don't know. I have a lot of positive feelings about that. And I love her in Bridesmaids, as dumb as that movie is. I still haven't seen that. Are you serious? Oh, it's so good. I I Um, want to. It's on my list. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, it's a good one. But uh, I think that she's funny, um, even if some of her roles are a little cringy. uh, I do enjoy her. I know that if I'm going to watch a movie with her in it, I'm going to have a good chuckle at least once. Um, And this movie was no exception, even if it made me cringe. um, For most of it, I still enjoyed watching her. So we're going to, we're going to get into cringiest moments here shortly for sure. Um, Brett, Melissa McCarthy thoughts. Uh, I'm not, I'm on record as being not the biggest Melissa McCarthy fan. Um, just because of the aforementioned like cringiness and goofiness of her comedy style, mm-hmm. not really my thing. Um, but I will say, I really liked her in this movie. Interesting. Like, I feel like maybe when she has a script and sticks to it, she's a lot better. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe it's the, maybe it's the her improvisation skills because definitely the I mean. I was talking about it right now. The cringiest parts of the movie for me were when it's just her and Maya Rudolph's character and multiple times over and over where they do the Ghostbusters 2016 thing. Where we're going to tell you a joke and then we're going to explain the joke and then we're going to make sure you understood our explanation of the joke. And then we're going to revisit it just a couple more times just to make sure that it came across correctly. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, yeah, I, I am. Uh, I'm. Uh, I guess I'm kind of right in between you guys when it comes to Melissa McCarthy. I, I like her in roles like Gilmore Girls, where she's significantly more grounded, um, where she feels like an actual real person, and she can play that really well. Um, but I think, by and large, after since Bridesmaids, her mode has always been let's go as far over the top as possible which I think works if she's a secondary character like she is in Bridesmaids, but I don't think works as well when she is the lead of the movie. Because really you want your point of view character, your protagonist, to be someone relatable that you can see yourself in. And if you're going that hard over the top to be as goofy and silly as you can, it's going to be really hard for us to plug into you. I would agree with that. Like, I love her in Gilmore Girls, and sometimes it's hard for me to, like, disconnect her from that, because mm-hmm. that's what I knew her has for so long. And then I watch a role 
like that she's in a newer movie and I'm like I didn't love that but I still love her (laughs) (laughs) like that's kind of where I'm at with her um but she reminds me like her roles I feel like she's been kind of uh put in a lot of the same type of things similarly to like Rebel Wilson Mm, mm -hmm. fat Amy type personas just like very like loud humor very abrasive humor yeah which can be hard to watch sometimes like it's funny occasionally but it doesn't always hit the mark but I still love her even if I don't love all of her roles I think she's cool (laughs) right and that that's that's awesome like it that's that's absolutely fantastic she's married to Ben Falcone who is has a cameo in this movie actually does any does, does any did anyone catch the Ben Falcone cameo in this movie I don't even know who that is He's the purple guy, right? Uh, no, Ben Falcone is Donnie. Who is Donnie? Uh, she's yeah, she's leaving the office and basically being like, "Fuck you, fuck you, you seem cool. Wish we'd gotten to know each other. Wish I'd have fucked you, Donnie." Yep. He's like, "There's still time." Yeah, uh, that's okay. that is her actual real life husband. Yeah, I knew that he was in it, like after the fact, and then I was trying to like replay. I was like, "Wait, was he a Muppet? I couldn't tell." <laughs> No, I mean, that would have been hilarious. Most of the movies that she does now, though, are movies that he has directed. Movies like Tammy and The Boss and Life of the Party and Super Intelligence and probably future episode of this podcast, Thunder Force. Like, she's in all of those movies, and those are movies that he directs. So that's kind of like he shows up in cameos and movies that she's in. Like he's in Bridesmaids. I think he's the guy that she's flirting with on the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like she'll show up and lead pretty much any movie that he directs. So they kind of have that like Hollywood couple that likes to work together kind of energy. Respect. That's cool. Okay. Nice work if you can get it, right? Yeah. Yeah. The boss was a lot. If you haven't seen it, I have just not. prepare yourself. It's a lot. I I saw it like five years ago or whenever it first came out and was in theaters. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's a lot. It's very raunchy, similar to this. Is it as raunchy as this? Because I have a hard time believing that any live action movie without puppets can be quite this raunchy. Maybe not quite as intense. You know, there's no silly string ejaculation, but um, it is pretty pretty intense there is, is a lot there, is there a scene with an octopus milking a a full uttered cow milking let's put milking in quotations Steve. let's He's let's milking do. the cow yeah i mean uh, he is he is literally <laughs> milking the cow but it is not it is played as though that is not milk <laughs> yeah uh sad to say that did not happen <laughs> okay all right touche uh but yeah that is that is a thing that happens in this movie also uh, there is an octopus that is, again, let's heavy air quotes here, milking a full uttered cow. So. You know, and that's just like I cringe and I like giggle about it right now because we're mm-hmm. discussing it. But when I was watching it, I was like, you know, for having so frequently the humor of a 12 year old boy, this is not my humor. I was like, this is just weird. <laughs> And I felt bad. I was like, this is weird. And then I was like, I oh, don't feel bad. This is weird. Hey, no, it, 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 
it is weird and that's the point right like oh, yeah. that this movie is kind of one of those things and again this is a passion project of henson's like can i make a vividly adult nc-17 i think this was actually rated r but like nc-17-esque um puppet movie uh something that really had not been done since team america world police uh where you have the um the the marionette puppet sex scene um like that's the kind of energy this is giving and again that movie is ridiculous like the whole point of that movie is how ridiculous can we be with these puppets and that also seems very much the energy that this movie is giving off like how what is the most ridiculous thing that we can do with these puppets that are clearly made by the Jim Henson company um and and how can we make people both laugh and feel like absolutely terrible for laughing at these things that we're putting up on the screen. It, it, and that's what, what I said, why I meant what I meant when I said at the beginning, this movie feels like a dare. Like it feels like someone was put up to making this movie. It doesn't feel like a passion project at all. Well, in one of the interviews that I was watching, cause I was like, well, I'll prep by watching Henson talk about this movie. And he was like, you know what, if I'm going to make an adult Muppet film or puppet film, I might as well go as intense as I can. If we're going to have it rated R, might as well do as much as I can. And I was like, you know what, I don't get it, but sure. respect. I respect it. Uh, and here's, yeah. here's the thing. There is, a as, as my friend, friend of the podcast, Phil Smith, is fond of saying there is a lid for every pot. So, you know, that that is a thing. Um, not every movie is for every person. Um, and, but, but there comes a time when you do need to ask yourself, who is this movie for? Like you can identify. And I think all of us at some point identify this movie, probably not for us, at least not completely. Uh, so then we, so then when that happens, you kind of start asking yourself, or at least I do, who is this actually for? Because sometimes you can make it that that's that's like an easy one-to-one like this movie is for people who like this this movie is for people who like this this is a movie i have a harder time putting a bead on who is this for um i i the easy answer i think is brian henson but beyond that who is this movie for it's for the same people that went and saw sausage party in theaters have you seen sausage party i, I don't know it's not that bad Sausage Party is... Brett hates Sausage Party. The worst, I don't like Sausage Party. It's the worst either. two hours of a... Well, no. I saw. I watched Food Fight. It's the second worst two hours of film I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> it, no. I wouldn't even compare it to that. You don't think it's the same audience, though? I, I don't know. Like, it doesn't... This doesn't... Sausage Party feels very much like a stoner movie. This doesn't feel as much like a stoner movie. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't it didn't know. Feel, I didn't feel like I needed to be high to watch this movie, whereas I felt like I might have lost Sausage Party more if I had been high. Oh, see, really I, sure. needed, I needed to do that to watch <laughs> this that, movie. Do you think that enhanced your overall viewing experience of this film? I think it made me chuckle more. Okay. You, you, were, in, I, you were in a gigglier place? Yeah, I don't think I would have laughed as much. I think I would have been, like, hiding my eyes. <laughs> my I mean, uh, my Christian school upbringing would have kicked in, and I would have been like, "Ah, sex joke, no!" Ah, oh, the shame. 
Um, Sex sends you to hell. I can't watch this. <laughs> I'll go to hell. Uh, yeah, that that's that's well, you didn't learn that from me, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. That was not that was not a Foxworthy teaching. No, I would teaching. I would not have told you that. Um, I would have I would have found a way to tow the company line at the time, but I would not have told you that <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I and and that I mean I mean that speaks to kind of the the way the ways in which you know the church kind of fucks with your head as you're. Uh, as, as you're kind of growing up in in some of those, uh, particularly around here, those more strict um, traditions, I suppose. And there's, I mean, believe it or not, the Midwest might as well be the Bible Belt for for all intents and purposes. There's there's a lot of that kind of thinking in these parts for sure. Oh yeah, for real. So being raised in that, I definitely had to be a little a little stoned, just a smidge. I mean, I, I did not, I watched it right before this recording. So I was like, well, there's, there's no way that, um, even, even my Delta eight, I don't want to be, you know, <laughs> cause that's legal here. I can't actually get the real stuff cause that's not legal here, but, yeah. uh, you know, even, even my Delta Wink. eight, I didn't, <laughs> I, I don't actually have any of the real stuff though. <laughs> um, my, my Delta eight probably still, I, I was like, I didn't want to be high for the record. Uh, cause no one wants to, no one wants to hear that, but. But yeah, I, I, I imagine it might have probably in, enhanced my viewing experience by and large, but generally speaking, my enjoyment of this film, pretty, pretty low, if I'm being real honest. Um, let's, let's talk. Also, here's, here's the thing, Steven. I actually want to bring up something. Is it yeah. sort of in line of like who this is for? Yeah. So, <clears throat> Henson Alternative, the people that made this movie. Not the company. Jim Henson Company. Not the Jim Henson Company. Um... They have been doing some stuff since, since 2005. Um, oh, okay. All, all sorts of stuff. And a lot of the puppets that are in this movie are kind of like the Muppets. They're from the Henson Alternative uh, family of puppets. Okay. Um, and I think I would say that they're kind of born out of, you know, we were kids when we watched the Muppets at Sesame Street. And I don't know, maybe some people grow up and are like, what would it be like if this were all adult stuff? Like if they had made adult jokes, what if Kermit was saying fuck all the time? Like what, wouldn't that be funny? And that's, I think that's where this was born. And that was, I think that's maybe who this is for. Those people that are like, you know, what if Muppets, but adult? Because I mean, Avenue Q was a thing. It's kind of started with Avenue Q. That's true. That's a good point. Um, and, and I mean, even before that, you've got Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles, the, the puppet porno, Let My Puppets Come. I mean, there were... What a name. The, what a name. Right? It, I, it's, a, it's a legitimate thing that happened. Um, but I mean, that. so this is not new in that regard. In fact, if anything, this is kind of chasing that trend. But the instances of that are so few and far between that it feels it still manages to feel transgressive in a way that like Fritz the cat would have felt transgressive when that movie first debuts, you know? What's crazy is it seems like based on the research that I've done, it, it, it was bigger in Britain. I did a lot of stuff for the BBC for a while. Hence an alternative. You mean? Yeah. Hence an alternative. That kind of makes sense though. It does. You can air a lot more on British television than you can. Um, 
uh, than you can American television. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. And then they, they came back over here and did stuff for the Nerdist channel, which was a thing for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got like Simeon Undercover Detective Squad. Um, or maybe the more, the one that's maybe the most known is Neil's Puppet Dreams with uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, and yeah, and then, and then the the last thing they did, which I was a real big fan of, was the Curious Creations of Christine Christine McConnell. Um, that's still on Netflix, I believe. Only one season. Very good show. Okay. Um, but yeah, which I didn't even know was part of Henson Alternative, but makes sense now that I think about it. Um, so yeah, they they've always been doing stuff. This was okay. just this was just uh, his his. Uh, Pipe dream. Okay, Noah. so this is an extent. I, I didn't know any. I guess I'm not familiar with any of the uh, the Henson alternative stuff. So yeah. that's... I don't know anything about that, but I respect it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, that's the thing about art is not all art is for every person, but the good art will find its audience, or you know, any art can find its audience. So. I I'm, will be the first to admit this is not for me, but hey, if you like this, fair play to you. Yeah, I'm kind of relieved that y'all said like, hey, this isn't for me because I watched it and I was like, oh, shoot, this wasn't for me. And I was like, I don't want to get on here and be the only person. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, Lord, please. <laughs> <laughs> not be comfortable with it as much as i was not comfortable with it no and see i mean this is like if i had seen this in college i probably would not have finished the movie uh like i started watching meet the feebles in college and i had to like tap out like 20 minutes in i was like this is now i could probably watch through the thing and be like oh this is not for me but you know i could respect it for what it is but that's very much peter jackson trying to do an r-rated muppet show um where you've got the, you know, the, the MC, which is a, a rabbit um, in, in kind of the Kermit-esque role, like having orgies in his office after, you know, the show, things like that. Um, I mean, there is, it's, it's, it's definitely a more grown up kind of thing. Um, but again, that's it. Is it, is it for me? No. Is it for someone? I'm sure. Probably. Uh, there, there are bound yeah. to be people who enjoyed this movie. I just wasn't one of them. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to create my own passion project. I'm going to make the adult Scooby-Doo. So. I dig it. (laughs) If people do that, I'm going to do it. They're doing a Riverdale-style Scooby-Doo right now, I believe. Really? More adult. Yeah, the first episode is on YouTube for you to watch. That's. I haven't watched it. The Riverdale cast? No, oh, this I was in the Riverdale say. style. Okay, good. I was going to say, because if it's the writers of Riverdale, they should be sent to jail. They should <laughs> not touch Scooby-Doo. I mean, I I was a little surprised at some of the some of the things in that first season of Riverdale. I was like, wait, no. Ms. First of all, Miss Grundy, not hot. Second of all, not fucking Archie. Let's 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 oh. make that very clear. Oh, right you from sweet the summer child. That's the first season. Wait till I you know. hear about some of the crazy, ridiculous crap that happens later. It, no thanks. They have a musical episode. In fairness, a lot of shows have done the musical episode. 
But like, imagine musical episode, and then imagine Riverdale writers. I mean, in fairness, I tapped out after like two episodes of Riverdale. Oh, so yeah, I, I don't know where that show goes. And quite frankly, I don't want to know. Uh, I'm good. Thank you. Parallel yeah. universes. It's parallel bad. universes is all you need to know. Parallel universes inside of parallel universes. Yeah, it's I, bad. I wish I wish I didn't know that. Gosh, that sucks. Um, no. I mean, that that really into the Archie verse. Is that is that what we have now? Yikes. It would be more into the Jughead verse because Jughead creates the alternate universe. Of course, he by does. writing the comic about it. Damn it, Jughead! And it's like, and it's like a self-fulfilling pro. I can't explain yeah. it to you. Go look it up. Yeah, Jesus. Jughead. I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. Do you see this hat? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Uh, I mean that that is that that and cheeseburgers are like Jughead's thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Oh, that that mm, that makes me. That upsets me. Um, but yeah, apparently that that's another one of those who is this for kind of things. And I mean, all art has that to some degree. Yeah. Um, I try not to go as hard for things that I dislike as I did early on in the show because I made one very good friend of ours very angry by shit talking the movie Baywatch, which he apparently was a big fan of. James, come on the show. I don't think he listens anymore. I don't think he listens uh, anymore. I think he, he tapped out after I... He was pretty upset about Baywatch. So here's the thing, though. Like, the last few things that Henson Alternative has done has been, like, chock full of celebrities. So, like, Hmm. it's for somebody. And it's apparently more popular than I could have ever imagined. I mean, hey, that's that's good. I don't think this movie was particularly popular. Uh, I mean, this movie has its share of celebrities. You've got Elizabeth Banks, you've got Maya Rudolph, you've got Joel McHale, uh, Leslie David Baker from The Office, Michael McDonald from Mad TV. Like, you've got, and, you know, some up-and-coming comedians like Fortune Feimster and Jimmy O. Yang. Like, you've got some, honestly, some pretty funny people. Ryan Gall from a past episode of this podcast, uh, Killing Gunther, is in this movie as well. Um, So, I mean, you know. That did remind me that um, was it Michael McDonald, the one that's the the original producer of the Happy Time. Yes, Ronovan Scargle, yeah. what, which is maybe the greatest name ever. Maybe <laughs> that's my favorite joke is when he says, "Do you like the view?" I can't tell you how long it took me to get rid of that orphanage, the children's hospital, the children's hospital. Yeah, to get the view of that ocean. <laughs> that was a pretty good one. That was, that was a, good. That was a good. That was a good. That was a good line. I think that's my favorite joke. That that honestly, I, I think you might you might be onto something there. Like that that was that was pretty good. That was a pretty good joke. Um, let's let's talk cringe. What uh what what were the Brett? You kind of already did yours. The the uh, the peeloffing scene, I, I guess, would probably be the well, that, that whole thing. Pretty much yeah. the entirety of just her and Maya Rudolph. Just which Maya Rudolph, great. I thought she was great. Oh, love my Rudolph. I've never not loved my Rudolph. Definitely was McCarthy's part of that. Because, like, the scene where she asks, so she asks about the banana in the apartment, right? Mm-hmm. And she has it when they get to the other apartment. Mm-hmm. And that's funny enough. The fact that she pulls out the banana, and you're like, oh, that's funny. She took the banana. But then Melissa McCarthy has to point it out. We have to put a hat on it. We have to put a hat on it. And then we have to put a lampshade on that hat. Mm-hmm. And then another hat on top of the lampshade. Right, exactly. It's just, stop. It was funny already. Let it be a sight gag. It's way funnier as a sight gag. I, and see, I think sight gags are really underrated. And honestly, 
puppet movies are made for that was something that Henson in particularly in the early Muppet films and in the Muppet show their entire sketches and bits built around sight gags and not a lot of just stand on your own sight gags in this movie as much as many as there could be potentially uh, Katie did you have a cringy moment that you wanted to spotlight I mean there were quite a few mm-hmm. but aside from the sex scene in the office uh i, I mean that's that's it was a, just so much it is so much like the being slammed against the door and the fbi seeing that i was like oh my god yeah but one of the posters for this movie and I, I i am debating using it for the for one of the promotion uh images for this episode but one of the posters for this movie is her like splayed up against the window of his oh, office no. and him like jackhammering her from behind. Oh no. Yeah. It's why was that a poster for this movie? I don't mean, know, Brett, but it, it was, was in the trailer too. That seems like to be like that's such a big part of this movie, maybe. They're mm-hmm. really banking on that. They and again, it, it really does set the stage. Like if you are into this, if you this is the kind of thing you find funny. This movie is going to be right up your alley. And I think yeah. most people saw that trailer and went, ooh, no, thank you. Yeah. Uh, but like, that was a really cringy moment, obviously. Mm-hmm. But then when, oh, what's his name? He plays in Community. He was the FBI agent. Joel McHale. Yeah, I like him. I do, like, too. I, I love him in Community. That's, like, one of my favorite shows. Um, one of my favorite comfort shows, I should specify but the scene where he's interrogating the chick with the purple hair mm-hmm. who has red hair and she like crosses her legs. Does the, the basic I didn't like that. Yeah. I didn't like that. I was no. like, I was like, Ooh, um, when does this movie end? <laughs> <laughs> the and then second you make movie... that crucial to the reveal of the twist at the end. Yeah, yeah. Like, yes. it was important. That's a, not a throwaway scene either. Yeah. That's the that's the bizarre thing is that yeah, that is. Bef- it's like before you know that that's important and you're just witnessing it, you're like, oh my god. Like that is my thirteenth reason, I want to die. <laughs> and then they reference it and they're like, that's how they solve the crime, and that almost makes it worse because it does. it's like it does make it worse. It it's does. Like, it's like, that scene was so gross and weird because he like looks at a puppet pussy and then that's how they save the day mm-hmm. what no no yeah so probably that i did not like that scene i mean that's that's a contender for sure for cringy it is not the first movie that we've covered on this podcast, Brett, that has an homage, a parody of Basic Instinct. Do you remember the first? Uh, that would be uh, uh, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1. Correct. Uh, however, in that one, it's just a picture of a beaver on a chair with the sh- phrase gratuitous beaver shot flashing across the bottom of the screen, uh, which bizarrely seems classier than this. Honestly, I think anything would be classier than this. Yeah. 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 This is this this movie is fairly classless. Let's let's be frank. 
Um, there's there's not a lot. The, this movie is not trying to like set itself up as some pinnacle or bastion of of high art in any respect. I think what's frustrating to me about it is that there's like there is a decent more adult Muppet movie in here somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, we're going to toss some really cringy sex jokes in just because I can't. Like, and that ruins it. It just straight up ruins it. Yeah. Because the parts that I like about this movie are when it's not the cringy over the top sex jokes. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, then I'm, then I'm digging it. I'm kind of into it. Mm-hmm. But like, as soon as, you know, as soon as I see a puppet pussy, I'm like, I'm out. I'm done. I'm over. I'm over it. Yeah, it was like it was just for the shock value almost because it mm-hmm. was like, oh, this is something that like is rare, so let's just do as much as we can for that shock value. And it probably would have made their story a lot stronger. I mean, it would have made the story a lot stronger if they would have just taken some out, just a little. Still could have been rated R, mm-hmm. still could have been ridiculous, but it just felt like there was a little too much just a little too much. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think there's, and this is kind of the danger of a filmmaker getting to make whatever the hell film they want to make, is very often when you get that blank check, you get the temptation to just go completely over the top and off the rails. And what will happen is you will either make a movie that is very true to your artistic intention um, someone like a Martin Scorsese or a David Lynch or, I mean, even a Michael Bay or a Quentin Tarantino. Um, you know, it's not all got to be high art stuff. But then you get, like, the people who don't know where to draw the line. Like, they're not... It's, it's less about the story that they want to tell and the movie they want to make as it is. And, and I think you summed this up beautifully earlier when you were talking about the interview you watched with Henson, what can we get away with? And when that becomes your whole preoccupation in, in creating a film, I think your mind is in the wrong place because all of a sudden it's not about the art. It's about the in jokes. It's about the things that you and your friends do. And that's only going to be funny to you and your friends. It's not going to be funny to a lot of different people unless they all get the same jokes that you do. Um, and it, so it becomes a knowing your audience thing. And maybe this was not made for a large audience. I, I can't believe that's true, but this is, a, you know, for, for good or ill, for better or worse, this is the movie that we're left with. And damn it. If I'm not scratching my head at the end of it, mostly for ill, I would say, unfortunately, yeah. Mostly for ill. I would agree. I would definitely agree. And then the bloopers are somehow even worse in a weird way. You guys stuck around for the bloopers after the movie, right? During the credits? Yeah. yeah. I mean, about halfway through the bloopers, I shut it off because I was like, okay, I think I'm good. I think it's time mm-hmm. to go to bed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they were something. It's hard to believe that you could make raunchier weirder you know comments in a mm, film like he starts to put the butt plug in his mouth and 
I'm just like, what are what are we doing here? Like what? Like what are we doing? It was here? cool to see how they did some of the effects, I guess. The green screen suits the green that screen the puppeteers suits, were wearing yeah. to make yeah. it easier for the puppets to walk. That was cool to see. I did I yeah, do agree yeah. with that. Yeah, that was pretty dope. But yeah, again, it's the you know, the the humor involved. You're just like, I mean, okay. And and some of it you're actually seeing kind of how they perform some of those, like you get to see how the octopus worked. You get to see how the how the you know minute long silly string ejaculation worked, like they they kind of show you behind the scenes. Hey, here's how we pulled some of this off. Which that's the kind of stuff I'm interested to see. But by the same token, it it's associated with those scenes that are just again the things that make this movie too much. Because that's what I wanted was to know how the silly string scene worked. I mean, you know, you I know. needed to know. Let my puppets yeah. come, Brett. Yeah. I thought it, the puppet was actually doing that. I didn't know it was first. I needed them to explain. <laughs> How does this work? I thought it was all real. I was like, damn, this movie? Not a comedy. Documentary. Documentary. <laughs> it was yes. like, it was like, this, this is how puppets work, guys. They actually ejaculate silly string. Silly string, right. And they snort sugar. Like, that's their drug. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it was science. And they and they pee glitter. Yeah. So, you know, I thought it was cool that they showed us how it works, but, you know, also ruined the magic because I thought it was real. So, you know. Yeah. It's ruined your childhood. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the it's not the ejaculating puppets that that ruined her childhood. It's it's knowing how they made those puppets ejaculate. Yeah, I thought that shit was real. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there and I'm like, this is more sex education than I got at my school. Yes. <laughs> as as someone who taught at that school, yes. <laughs> that makes so much sense. And then they showed that it was fake and I was like, I've been lied to. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how anything works anymore. Like, all um, right, oof. gotta go talk to my therapist. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, can you imagine trying to explain this to your therapist? No, I did this morning. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that out of my therapy sessions. I'm not gonna bring that up. That's fair. That's fair. And I am not, I'm inadvisably not in therapy at the moment, so... Oh, come on, man! Join the club. I should. Yeah, I get really in it, brother. Need to. I I know. I need to. I am. I am not well right now. Um, but yeah. I mean, we've got. Look, here's the thing. I think there are elements in this movie that are fun, and I think when the focus is on the mystery, even though the ending is pretty easy to see coming, like even even when you get to you know the reveal and all of that like that's when i think the story is really humming it's when we derail the entire movie for you know to watch puppets fuck or to um watch puppets milk other puppets or to watch a puppet porno in which a dog is whipping a fireman um which is that muppet sort of subversion of expectations that yes. like it's a very twisted muppet subversion of expectations like it's a dalmatian whipping a fireman like it's mm -hmm. kind of funny but it's also a little bit too much yeah it, it that's uh, that is absolutely what it is um yeah i mean that it, it those are the moments i think when this movie is not quite sure 
what it that it knows what it wants to be. One thing I will say for this movie that I actually did enjoy uh, the fight scene between Melissa McCarthy and all of the Muppets in the um, uh, the hideout in like the drug den. Um, that was actually really well done and I thought it was really, really fun. That whole scene, even when she's just snorting it, I, I, I think that was probably my favorite scene too, actually. Like, everything about it. Like, when she snorted it and then, like, passed out and then woke mm-hmm. up and then she was, like, I don't know, and then the fighting and then her, like, going to the bathroom and getting some and more, more. Yeah. and then, like, hitting her head, like... That was all actually pretty good. I was giggling, I'll be honest. There was a few giggles. Maybe even a chuckle. So, I would agree. Some good. chuckles, a few chuckles yeah. were had. Yeah. I mean, I was I was more kind of intri- like intrigued by, this is just me, I was more intrigued by like the actual filmmaking of those fight scenes, which I thought was really, really cool and really well done. Like, because there are puppets there of all kind of varying sizes and watching her kind of dispatch those and kind of basically take on a room full of puppets by herself. Kind of cool. Like, and the way it was shot made it look like she's actually having a fist fight with puppets, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. It was the most artistic scene in the whole movie. Which again, is not saying that much. But it's a yeah. low bar, but it is. You know what? Right. But we hand out trophies where we can. So. Right. I mean, we are we are uh, millennials on down, so participation trophies for everybody. Let's. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's a winner. Everybody wins. Yeah. So yeah, we can hand one out for that scene. Be like, there you go. That was kind of artistic. Good right. job. Yeah, and and yeah, and and again, I think the puppet work is exactly what you would expect from from the Henson name. Like that is exceedingly well done. Like the way that they're able to blend puppetry and the world real world in ways that they had not done to this degree before is really impressive and even once you know how they do it it's still really interesting to see phil phillips walking in and out of rooms to see him um interacting with people to see him like walking out of like just walking out of a restaurant like is cool like you see his full body walking out of a restaurant that's that's pretty cool Mm -hmm. um so so i think you know and again that's that's the thing and i think that in a lot of ways is the henson legacy it's not just and i we've talked about this kind of in in some previous episodes the emphasis on diversity the emphasis on um friendship and loving each other obviously there's not a lot of that in this movie there is there is some um but also his his work as an innovator which we've talked about on several of the episodes leading up to this one in that he was always trying to push the puppet medium forward in new and interesting ways. And this movie, I think, while it is not successful in many ways, I think it is at least successful in that, in that it is trying, endeavoring to push the puppet medium forward. Um, and I think it does that generally fairly successfully. Yeah, I think that's what's that's what's missing from things like Meet the Feebles, is that Henson touch. Mm-hmm. it's it's the the henson magic yeah you know it's not jim henson but it's you know it's still his son and he's still pushing the medium forward and trying to do more with it even if you know maybe he veers off into a gutter a little bit too often <laughs> and, I, and i think slightly atrocious <laughs> just slightly 
It's a little, a little atrocious. Just, just, just a skosh. Um, yeah. So, what? Any, any other comments, remarks, uh, things about Happy Time Murders that we have not, as of yet, discussed? I don't think so. No, I think I think we covered it all. That's you know, let's uh, that's that's it. We don't yeah, talk are, about this. Anymore. Those are a few things. There really wasn't like too much to like really dive into, other than being like, "Whoa, that was a lot." I think these people were on drugs when they made this yes. film. I mean, I think that's evident. Um, so. Uh, before Melissa McCarthy signed on to this movie, back when they were first developing this project, they had wanted to get Cameron Diaz as the lead in this movie. Um, and then eventually she dropped out and was replaced with Catherine Heigl. Uh, I cannot imagine what that movie would have been. Uh, and then at one point they went in a completely different direction and Jamie Foxx was attached to this movie. Um like I said, completely different direction. He's sort of very like all over the map mm -hmm. ideas. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Cameron Diaz has some really strong comedy chops. I think she could have pulled this off before she just retires from acting pretty much outright. Yeah, I mean, she's for cool. The occasional Shrek movie. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, she's cool. I like Cameron Diaz. I feel like she would have been fine in this. I think that's the only other version of this movie that probably would have worked. Katherine Heigl, I think, is maybe the worst case scenario for this movie. Yeah. I don't I, know how you cast Katherine Heigl in this movie and make it work. I mean, I liked 27 Dresses, but I don't know if I liked that just because... Oh, you're the one. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if I just like that because I really like James Marsden. I mean, and James Marsden is a cutie. Yeah, I just enjoy watching him and everything that he's in. Mm -hmm. um, I just think he's a cool guy to watch. Um, and I have that movie on DVD. <laughs> not proud to admit that. It's not, like, an incredible film. But, like, I think that's really the only movie that I really, like, know or, like, like her in. What else I mean, is she in? We'll, we'll cut. I mean, she, she gets her start in Grey's Anatomy. Oh, yeah, of course. Right. I do know that. <laughs> okay. I just, want, I just want to make sure. Um, but she, We should also backtrack really quick. I just want to say that Cameron Diaz wise, let's not forget Atomic Blonde. That movie is. That movie slaps. Is she in uh, Atomic Blonde? She, yeah, she is, is. She is the Atomic Blonde. She's that's the lead. Charlize, in that's Charlize Theron. Am I thinking of the wrong person? You're thinking of the wrong person. Wait, I don't know if Cameron Diaz, too. No, that's Charlize Theron. Okay, I'm not oh. the only one. Okay, thank okay. God. All Cameron, right. Cameron Diaz is Princess Fiona in Shrek. Uh, she's in Charlie's Angels. Um, she's the blonde one. Um, she's in that husband cheating movie that has Kate Upton and um, what's her The face? Other Woman? Yes, she's in that. She's in The Other Woman. She's in um, The Holiday I Lee like the Myers holiday. film The Holiday. She's very good in The Holiday. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. She's in My Best Friend's Wedding. Yes. Um, bad Teacher. Right. She's she's she is the titular bad teacher. I don't know how um, I've gotten the two of them confused so easily, but here we are. I've never uh, blonde. Bl blonde, attractive blonde women whose first names start with C. Um, sure, we'll go with that. That's you the can reason. be forgiven. <laughs> Catherine Heigl. Let's talk Heigl. So future episode of this podcast, one for the money. Uh, she was the lead in that. 
I actually read those books because I love Stephanie Plum, like those novels. So I like read a bunch of those. We're going to have to have you on whenever we finally get to one for the money then. Yeah, I could do that because I was super into those books only because my grandma was. And so they were our bathroom books. Okay. You know, like how people before phones were like a big thing, how people had a stack of books or magazines next to the toilet we had stephanie plum novels so i do know that movie and i know those books all right so that's katherine heigl what else um she was in i mean a lot of this stuff i've not seen i don't know that too many people have uh knocked up is kind of the one that puts her on the map um and then you've got uh 27 dresses the ugly truth uh killers which i think might be the movie she did with ashton kutcher uh, she's in the movie New Year's Eve. Uh, and then after that, like she starts shitting all over like the Apatow crew and pretty much no one wants to cast her after that. She becomes labeled as difficult to work with. Um, yeah. That kind of becomes her brand. And so people tend to not like to cast her in things. Uh, she's got, She's in The Nut Job, Jackie and Ryan, Home Sweet Hell. She does TV, State of Affairs, Doubt, Suits. Was she in Where the Heart Is? Um, No. Where the Heart Is? That was Natalie Portman, and I thought she was in that. No, that would have been too early for her. Where the Heart Is is Ashley Judd. Okay. Uh, the, the, my, you know, my beloved Ashley Judd, love, love Ashley Judd. Um, I I don't know why I was picturing Catherine Heigl in that place, but I I don't know, man. It's, it's, is wild. Memories are funny things. It's easy to get actresses confused. That's true. We've just did that. We've confused Charlize Theron and Cameron Diaz, Catherine Heigl and Ashley Judd. It's, it's a crazy mixed up world. Um, and that's just all there is to it. Yeah, I can't imagine this movie with Katherine Heigl. No. It would have been even more of a dumpster fire than it already is. Agreed. I think I think there are I think you need an a performer that has an inherent sense of humor about themselves to do a, a role like this. And I don't get the impression that that's Katherine Heigl. No. 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 So I mean I, I'm willing to be wrong about that, but that based on what I, I know of the of the actress, I don't think that's her speed. So yeah, I, and then I you know Jamie Fox I think probably would have been fine, um, but also feels like an odd choice. Yeah, it's a different movie. It is very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie has a production budget of about forty million dollars. Uh, it opens on. August 24th, 2018, it opens to $12.6 million, which is good enough for third place. Uh, coming in behind at number one, uh, one of the biggest movies of 2018, uh, kind of a surprise smash, a little movie called Crazy Rich Asians. I love that movie. I still haven't seen it. I need to. It's good. I want to. I've heard it's great. It's got Gemma I mean, Chan. I love Gemma Chan. In in three weeks, Crazy Rich Asians has made uh, about eighty nine million dollars total. Uh, in second place, um, also uh, has been in theaters for three weeks. A little movie called The Meg. Uh, 
uh, which had up to this point earned about $110 million in three weeks. Happy Time Murders uh, comes in at third place, as we mentioned. In fourth place, um, Mission Impossible Fallout. In its fifth weekend, it's earned almost $200 million in just the five weeks that it's been out. And rounding out the top five, we have Christopher Robin from the Walt Disney Corporation, uh, which in its four weeks in theaters has earned $80.4 million. Rounding out the top ten, You've got a future episode of this podcast, Mile 22, uh, in sixth place. In seventh place, Alpha. In eighth place, a little movie called Black Klansman, a Spike Lee joint. Uh, In ninth place, a movie I am pretty sure does not exist called AXL. Um, I don't know what this is. It's a movie about a robot dog. Why does this feel like something we could cover on this podcast one day? Um, (laughs) Probably because it is. Um, and uh, rounding out our top 10, finalizing our top 10 is Hotel Transylvania 3, colon, Summer Vacation, which in seven weeks has earned uh, $160 million. Uh, so this movie opens in third place. Um, it earns a total of $20.7 million domestic, uh, about another $7 million internationally for a worldwide box office total of 27.5 million dollars um just a little over half of its production budget it makes back we're not getting any more buddy cop puppet movies after this no at least not ones that are quite this raunchy this is the end of the line for phil phillips and connie edwards for sure yeah yeah, those numbers fine. are a little weak, but yeah. I agree with Brett. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I I could not I could not imagine a better outcome, quite frankly, um, than that. So hey, it's all good. Uh, the Tomatometer score on this one is a 23. percent Ooh, it's certified rotten. The critics' consensus: the Happy Time Murders wastes its intriguingly transgressive premise on a witless comedy that blindly pushes buttons instead of attempting to tell an entertaining story. I can agree with that to a degree. Yeah, that that uh, review makes sense. It it does. It makes sense. Uh, the Metascore is 27 based on generally unfavorable reviews from 48 different critics. And the Letterboxd score is a 2.1. Katie, as our guest, if you were forced to give a rating out of five to the Happy Time Murders, how many stars would you give it? Five. That's a joke. <laughs> um... <laughs> Hence my immediate laughter. <laughs> um, No. Uh, considering I needed to be not sober to make it all the way through, and I had to order Taco Bell halfway through. Mm, no, I want Taco Bell. Me yeah, too. I was like, okay, Doritos Locos Tacos, time to come in so I don't fall asleep or cry. Um, I, a 1.5, maybe 2-ish, not high. Okay, so we'll split the difference, say it, call it a 1.75. Yeah, because, like, the story wasn't terrible, but I wouldn't watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, I wouldn't watch I, it again. I can't fault your logic on that at all. Uh, Brett, what about you? 
Uh, about the same. I gave it two. You gave it two. Whereas I gave it a 1.5. So there you go. Like we're kind of all right around the same area with this one. Um, it's not good. Uh, it's not great. You can skip this one, guys. Um, you know, for what it's worth. Uh, if you were if you were on the fence about the Happy Time Murders, uh, let this be your call to to come down off the fence uh, and err on the side of I don't need to see that one. Yeah. Unless you just really want to see a puppet ejaculate silly string for sixty seconds straight, in which case, go off. Yeah. If you want to watch Melissa McCarthy uh, snort purple sugar, then you should watch this movie. And then lick it. And then lick it and like coat her tongue in glittery purple sugar. Yeah. If you want to see uh, puppets get their heads blown off, definitely watch this movie. Happens so many times in this movie. So many times. So, you know, if you like those things, uh, definitely give it a watch. But uh, if those things make your stomach churn, maybe don't. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good. That's a good caveat, I think, you know. This movie's not going to be for everybody, right? I don't think any movie is for everybody. There is no such thing as a universally beloved film. Um, some people, everyone engages with art differently. There are objective standards for what makes good art, but our enjoyment of that art is subjective. Um, and while I would not say this is objectively great art, I would say that there is something in here for certain people to enjoy. I'm just not one of those people. Yeah, same. And how can you say that, Stephen? Food Fight exists. Everybody loves that movie. That's true. It's a perfect film. Universally beloved film, Food Fight. Katie, have you gotten a chance to see Food Fight yet? Um, some of it didn't make it through the whole thing. I don't blame you at all. I had to watch it in uh, bits and pieces. Yeah, Brett. Brett had to batch watch that one, whereas I just said, "Screw it, digest the whole thing." I don't know how he did it. I don't know how I did it either, quite frankly. Yeah, it's a lot. Maybe now that I'm like, I mean, I don't want to say that I'm mentally well because that's a bold statement. <laughs> but maybe I could try again. I mean, it's it it is it is an experience. I will say that. I'm I cannot, in good conscience, recommend that movie to anybody. Yeah. But by the same token, I um, it's wild. It's 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 a wild thing. It's not a good movie. No, it's just not. No, no, it's bad. I will I will say, with a hundred percent certainty, that Food Fight is the single worst movie we've ever covered on this podcast. <laughs> and I cannot imagine another movie even coming yeah, close. It probably always will be. Yeah. yeah. And I feel very bad for forcing Brett to watch that movie. That's fine. It was a funny episode. It. It wasn't our Thanksgiving episode from last year, everybody. If you haven't yeah. listened to that yet. What, what on point. earth could we possibly be cooking up for this Thanksgiving? I ask because I honestly don't know at this uh, point. Uh, how do we top food fight? Yeah. I, we don't. That's just it. You know, we just got to find something just as bad and then say, fuck it. Art is risk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> fuck it. Art uh, is risk. Let's put that on a t-shirt. That's our Thanksgiving tradition. We watch a really bad movie. Yes. Yeah. We just, we find a turkey. A bad movies are called turkeys. That's it. We did it. We did yeah. it, everybody. I've done it. Instead of watching football, just watch a really bad movie. I mean, we're not. We're de- we're definitely not the kind of guys that are going to be watching football. So yeah, I don't watch football. 
Just 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 three cool people hanging out and not yeah. watching football. I have a limp wrist, so I <laughs> I don't. Uh <laughs> too too <shy. laughs> Katie, thank you so much for being on this episode, for being the first ever student to ever make the trend. You beat Jeff Rhodes. Uh, not that I've ever oh talked goodness. to Jeff Rhodes, but he, he was, he's definitely someone that I've been meaning to ask to be on this podcast, but you snuck in here first. So way to go. It's an honor to beat Jeff Rhodes. Yeah. I mean, always, um, it, we are absolutely thrilled to have had you on, uh, Katie, you are, uh, you are a filmmaker. You are a YouTube sensation. Um, tell us about. Uh, what you're doing, what you've got going, where we can find your work online, where we can find you online. Just talk about yourself for a little bit. I know it's your favorite thing. Oh, oh yeah. I love talking about myself. <laughs> I love attention. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I am a YouTuber. Um, you should check out my YouTube channel. It's just my name, Katie Doyle. Uh, I talk about movies. So if you like to talk about movies, you should come check it out. It's a good time. And I occasionally have guests like Stephen Foxworthy here. What? Pretty wild. Yeah, we um, had a very good conversation about um, Alex Garland's men, actually. Yeah, it was a it lot was, of fun. It was pretty trippy. Only two pussy jokes, I think. We had so many more in this episode <laughs> than we did in that yeah. one. Oh, yeah. So many more. Um, good times. But yes, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kilo Delta. 24 that's my gamer tag so um if you want to play fortnite with me too hey <laughs> on there but uh but yeah that's it i'm just katie doyle on youtube um but exciting things you should check out my channel because in august i will be posting um my short film that i just entered into a film festival and got top 10 that premieres in august so i'm super excited for that and I'll be posting the behind the scenes footage with that too. So you can watch me crying because it was a 24 hour film festival. So I did not sleep for two days while I made it. So check out the channel, look for that. I'm super proud of it, super excited. That's yeah. awesome. Congratulations on that, by the way. I don't think yeah. I've had a chance to tell you thank since you. you announced that. So thank you. Thank you, thank you. I'm uh, shocked. It's I my mean, first film festival. So I don't I know why shy. you're shocked. You're you're very talented. Um, and if people doubt your talent, they should check out your YouTube channel because your talent is on full display there. I just know that one of these days you're going to have to get me in a movie. So It will happen. I'm going to have a movie called The Three Stooges, and it'll just be us talking about Muppet movies. Hell yes. All right. I'm in. I'm 100% yeah. on board. I yeah, love, we'll do that. We'll do I that. like this plan. Excited to be a part of it. Yeah. Sounds good. Awesome. Definitely make sure you guys are following Katie. If you are not already, please make sure that you do. Uh, and while you're out there following people, uh, give us a follow. We're the Disenfranchised Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Facebook at DisenfranchPod. Uh, how are we doing? Let us know. Shoot us an email, DisenfranchPod at gmail.com com to let us know how we're doing uh suggest an upcoming episode if there's something a uh, failed franchise starter that you would like to see us cover let us know and we will probably cover it and if you're someone that i know personally i might ask you to be on the show as a guest to talk about it even it's weirder things have happened um 
So yeah, absolutely. Disenfranchpod at gmail.com. Uh, we appreciate your support. If you have not done so already, we would really love it if you could swing by Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a five-star rating and review if you would. And the review doesn't have to be much. You can just be me like podcast. That's fine. That works for us. Um, but yeah, we really appreciate that. That goes a long way to helping us grow our audience and find more people like you. And hey, we like you. So we probably like people like you as well. Um, and uh, also, if you want to maybe support us financially, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash disenfranchpod, uh, where you can find uh, a couple of our supplemental shows, Disenfranchised, Unenfranchised, uh, where we do top five lists and talk about movies that killed off your favorite franchises, respectively. Uh, so there's some great stuff behind the paywall there. Uh, Patreon.com slash disenfranchpod. I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy. You can find me on Instagram, Letterboxd, Twitter, at Chewy Walrus. Brett, where can we find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd at sus underscore warlock. All right. And there is a third member of the disenfranchised team that we do not talk about nearly enough. He wrote our theme music, not only for this show, but for both of the Patreon shows as well. Different theme songs for each. And he has joined uh, the staff as the editor uh, extraordinaire. He now edits all of our episodes for us. Uh, Tucker, thank you so much. Um, we appreciate you. We don't say it nearly enough, but uh, I hope you know how much we appreciate you, sir. Um, and that is... Our episode on the Happy Time Murders, that is also the end of our most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, muppetational Jim Henson theme month. We're going out with a bang. Um, I see what you did there. Hey, there it is. Um, and uh, and now yeah, that's it. That's a wrap. Now, Brett, uh-huh. in April, we had a theme month. Right. We, we did. We did all about Arnold April. Correct. Um, in May, we kind of stumbled backwards into an accidental theme month. We did which is our, 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 our fictional places, our far-off fantastical yeah. places. When Worlds Collide. Yeah, there, there you go. Our, our When Worlds Collide theme month, which we didn't really put together until the very last uh, week of that month. but it ha- And then this is our Jim Henson theme month. This is technically our third theme month in a row, which means, Brett, that it's time maybe we back off from theme months for a little bit. No, I'm just kidding, Brett. We're going to start next, Steven. We're, we're going to start a brand new theme month next week. Um, and we've got a guest prepped and ready for it. And it's going to be a great episode, a great returning guest. It's going to be a lot of fun as we take on, uh, something we've never done before, which I am very excited to, uh, to explore, uh, land of the rising sun. Hmm. Maybe it's time for a summer vacation of sorts. Mm. Um, but, uh, but, but I guess we'll have to tune in next week to find out. By the way, all patrons do get a peek behind the curtain early so that they know before anyone else exactly what we're covering. So patreon.com slash disenfranchpod. But yes, join us next week for a brand new theme month where we cover another four movies uh, based around a similar theme. It's going to be a good one. You're going to want to be there. Uh, so I'm Stephen Foxworthy, host of the Disenfranchised Podcast, for my co-host Brett Wright and our very special guest, Katie Doyle. Until next time, let me just Google real quick here. P. Loth Ng. Oh. Oh. Oh, shit cakes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>